All right, I need you to go to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12, and there are seats. There are seats up here in the front row, seats along here. Uh, there's plenty of spots for you to join us in the main seating. Romans chapter 12. I'm going to talk to you about renewing the Christian mind, focusing our attention on the spirit of our minds. Now, that's kind of a, a unique way of talking because in the modern world, doesn't everything sound mysterious? Everybody talks about the mind and and um, uh, they talk about it kind of like it's, it's this, um, I don't know, it's almost like it's magic. And so the Bible has a, has a way of speaking that when you lay it out, it'll make a whole lot more sense. And it is, um, uh, it's, it's how God speaks about the Christian's mind that he can't refer to an unsaved person's mind. So I want to talk to you about how to focus on the spirit of our minds this morning. Now, in Romans chapter 12, look at verse 2. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed, watch the next words, by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Our memory verse is, not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the what? The will of my Father which is in heaven. So, when we talk about the will of God, a lot of times there are obstacles between that, and one of them is knowing what it is. And before God ever shows you his will, he needs you to have a different mind, a different way of thinking. So I'm going to talk to you this morning about how we think, what we think about. Specifically, talk about renewing our mind. The key to a transformed life, and I hope you want to be transformed. I hope you're sick and tired of who you are. I know people are sick and tired of who you are, but are you sick and tired of who you are? Well, if you are and you want to be changed, the, the, the key to a transformed life is a transformed mind. Now, did you know you can be born again and basically never change? I think that's a tragedy. It'd be like, can you imagine? I won't pick on, on uh, Gavin because he's always picked on, so I'll pick on uh, John here, just an unknown. Can you imagine a, 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 a 40-year-old John and he's still three feet long? Okay, he's still stunted in his growth. He still has a very high voice <laughs> and has to be spoon fed, has to have nappies. And he's never changed. He's never grown. He's never become what he was designed to be. And that's a lot of Christians. They get born into God's family, but they don't grow up and they don't change. I have known sincere Christians who prayed and prayed for God to fix them, for God to make them a better person only to find nothing happen. So they they live defeated, discouraged, and they ask, where, where is God? Why doesn't he help me? I find that most Christians think that if they ask God to forgive them for a sin, then that sin will just go away. Guess what? It won't. The reality is that it's not going to go away until you use a tool that God gave you to renew your mind. All right? Your nature loves to sin. Say amen. You can't change your nature, okay? But you've been given a tour that changes the way you see sin and the way you think about it and the way you battle it. And that tool is the book you hold in your hand. So 
uh, until you use God's word to change the way you think about yourself and your sin. I mean, if you think that taking a drink doesn't hurt you, you will never change. Until you think that what you watch and what you hang around with and what you what you uh, uh, read about, until you think about what you think about, you're never going to change. True lasting change comes when a person thinks from God's word. The Bible calls it renewing your mind. When you change the way, when you change your thinking to God's way of thinking, then your behavior changes. Now, salvation is designed to change us into Christ likeness. Let's go to Romans chapter 8. We read chapter 12. Let's go to chapter 8 and verse 29. Romans 8, 29. For whom he did foreknow, talking about believers, he did also predestined not to be saved or already saved, but the moment I got saved, I was predestined to be conformed to the image of who? To the image of God's Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. So the moment I got saved, I was, my my destination and the, the effort of God was fixed on me to fix me. I'll show you another verse. Go to 2 Corinthians chapter 3. 2 Corinthians chapter 3. 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 18. But we all, I hope you have your Bible open, look at these verses. But we all, with open face, beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord. It's like, it's like peeking in to a sweet shop when you're a kid. Remember, you look in there and you peek in there and you see the glory of all of those sweets and the lollies and, and uh, the, the colas and the fizzy drinks. Well, we're looking through a glass darkly at the glory of the Lord. And as we look, look what it says. We're not instantly changed, but we are, we are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. The point is this, is as we look into the Word of God and we, and we listen to it and we believe it, it changes us. That is the tool that renews our mind. Now the only thing therefore that holds back anybody is their way of thinking about things. It's not their lack of intelligence. Say, I don't think big thoughts. You don't have to think big thoughts. Well, I don't have much money. You don't have to have much money. Well, I'm not very religious. As a matter of fact, don't be religious. Be yielded to whatever that book says do and then do it. The way you think about your life and the way you think about, uh, your, your, your struggles and things will make or break you because what you believe can save you and if you don't believe right, it can damn you. So we're looking at what I think and how I think. Now, by way of background, let me tell you, your brain is amazing. It can do unbelievable things. It can remember events and feelings and even smells from 90 years ago. Think about it. My great-grandmother was 90. Last time I got to spend time with her, she was 93 or 94 years old. And I'm sitting there, and she'd be laying in bed, and we'd be talking, and she'd go... Oh, I remember her, she would say. I remember my mom's apple tart. And she could remember that smell. She's 93, 94 years old. I, uh, uh, she would remember poems that she learned in, in primary school. And she would just sit back and rattle them off. 
her brain was able to remember something from 80 some odd years earlier. Your brain is more than just what's inside your head. It is amazing. It can process trillions of calculations each second, allowing you to walk a tightrope, drive at 120 kilometers an hour, some of you, um, catch a falling dish. You ever seen somebody and all of a sudden a dish, and they grab it? You ever seen somebody like that? That takes a lot of computation power, folks. Um and change the TV channel. That's the amazement of the brain. Uh, yeah. It's more than just this piece of flesh inside your head. Folks, your mind is more than the product of all the chemicals reacting with each other, and there are a lot of chemicals in your head. I mean, there are a lot. That's why you start taking drugs, you are upsetting the most, most amazingly balanced system on this planet. And when you start taking all these drugs and, and things to try to give you a buzz, you burn out a series of, of, um, uh, of chemicals that you never get back. You're more than those chemicals. Your mind is more than your upbringing by your parents and your training at school. Your mind isn't just what, oh, I better do this or I better not do that. And it's even more than all your experiences, both good and bad. Your mind is all the thoughts. Now listen to me for a second. Your mind, not just your brain, not just that organ up in your head. Your mind is all the thoughts, all the feelings, all the memories from three areas of your life. So I usually draw this little diagram. I'm going to explain it maybe another day. But I'm going to give you a taste of something here that's absolutely mind-blowing, and that is... Your mind is a composite of three areas of your life. It is, you have a physical brain that chemically stores some memories and processes things. You also have an emotional mind. I don't know, men don't, but women do, that's for sure. Some of you women waiting for that statement, amen. There is an emotional mind inside men, okay? But then there's also the spirit of your mind, a spiritual mind. The physical chemical reactions between 86 billion neurons. How do you know there are that many? Cause a research team actually counted them. <laughs> I'm serious. 86 billion neurons coordinate memories in your physical brain. Then you have the emotional psychological activity of your soul. And then you have the spiritual activities within your spirit. And at the center, of all that activity, go to Psalm 19. At the center of all that activity, Psalm 19 and verse 14. Psalm 19, 14. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my, what's the next word? Usually we think meditation takes place where? In our head. But in the middle of all of that, those three things put together, in the center of it is your heart. Let the words of my mouth, what comes out of my mouth, and the meditation of my heart be acceptable unto thee, my Lord, my strength, and my Redeemer. Now, your mind is amazing, but I'll say this. Your mind is probably not in good shape. Romans chapter 1 again. Romans chapter 1. going to lay the groundwork this morning. If you've lived anywhere on this planet for very long, your brain is pretty messed up, especially in the 21st century. 
Romans chapter 1 and verse 28. A lot of brain dead people. Most of them you work with on Monday morning. The Bible calls them reprobate. Romans chapter 1 and verse 28. Even as they did not like to retain God where? In their knowledge, in their, in their mind. God gave them over to an empty mind, an, a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient. You know, the worst thing God could ever do to you is leave you alone. Think about that for two seconds. God, would you just leave me alone? Just get off my back. Worst thing ever, because when he does that, he leaves you empty. You say, I don't want to come to church. Every time I come to church, my wife pokes at me when pastor's preaching about getting saved. I don't like coming to church because because my mom always looks at me when the pastor says, you don't need to be born again. Best thing that ever happened to you is somebody standing on your, on your case and dragging and pushing and pulling and praying and pleading because when we leave you alone, you go straight to hell. Amen. Now, your brain, if it's left to itself, is empty of anything that's good. You think about what you think about when you're not under pressure to do right. That's why boredom is dangerous. There's also plenty of rebellion against God. Look in verse 31. We'll go back to verse 29. Still in Romans chapter 1, verse 29. Being filled, speaking of, of people whose mind is reprobate, being filled with all unrighteousness, fornication, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, debate, deceit, malignity, whispers, backbiters, haters of God, dis, dis, sorry, despiteful, prouders, sorry, proud, boasters, Inventors of evil things, that's our day, disobedient to parents, without understanding, covenant breakers, without natural affection, implacable, unmerciful, who knowing the judgment of God that's coming on them, that they which commit such things are worthy of God's judgment of death, not only do the same, but they have pleasure in them that do them. They sit and they watch people do what is wicked and wrong and evil. That's rebellion. That's rebellion. They know what's wrong, and they still do it, and they like watching other people do it. You say, I'm not like that. I bet you aren't. (laughs) There is Romans chapter 8, verse 6. Keep going to the right a few pages. There's some problems in our head, folks. Romans chapter 8, verse 6. For to be carnally minded. When you think of carnally, I want you to think of fleshly, lustfully, living by the lusts of whatever your natural animalistic desires are. For to be carnally minded is death. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be, so that they are that are in the flesh cannot please God. you got to ask yourself, start looking at yourself. In my mind, remember I had that little design. Let me go back here for a second. Is my mind, which, which one of them is operating today? Which one is governing my heart? Because your heart is a wellspring of trouble in your life and God put a mind to maintain control over that well of pressure and that well of sin and that well of trouble in your life. And it's either going to be spiritual or you're going to be full of emotion or you're going to be just doing whatever comes natural. So rebellious, carnally minded. There are a lot of Christians who are carnal. You ever notice that? I mean, there are a lot of them. Watch what they talk about. Watch how they talk. There's no, there's no need to sit and judge one another. Judge yourself. Carnally minded. Wasted minds. Go to Ephesians chapter 2. 
Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 3. Wasted minds. Verse 3 says, Among whom also we had our conversation in time past in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the what? All I did was what I wanted to do. Whatever came to my head and I did. And were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. Those are wasted brains. You know why? Because you're not in control. Another spirit, look at verse 2. It says, Where in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air. Who are you following when you're not thinking about what you're thinking? You're following the prince of the power of the air. And you're following just along in the course of this world. That's a wasted mind. God gave you the ability to look at what you're doing. You imagine if, you, if you're driving 120 kilometers an hour on the south link there and you take your hands off of the wheel and you just sit back and say, let's see where this takes us. <laughs> you try doing that with your brain, it's just as dangerous. That's a wasted mind. God gave you a brain to take control. No, 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 I gotta take off, I gotta get off of the next exit. I gotta slow down. I gotta watch out for this nut in front of me. Wasted minds. Enemies of God. Go to Colossians chapter one. It ought to amaze you how much the Bible talks about our mind. Colossians chapter one, verse twenty-one. Colossians one and verse twenty-one in you. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. Chapter 1, verse 21. And you that were sometime alienated and where, and what? Enemies in your mind, thinking by wicked works, yet now has he reconciled. Aren't you glad? When I was an enemy of God, what I was thinking was always blaming God. I, I was yesterday out door knocking and I had two people ask me, what about all these problems in the world? Why is God allowing all this? I sure wouldn't want this one guy just... He was trying to struggle with it. Another woman was just, oh, been out of shape. But this guy was, I try to want to follow him, but I don't like God when he does bad things. <laughs> I, he took my breath away, man. You know what he's doing? He's an enemy of God. He's, he's sitting in judgment of God. He finds fault with God. You don't find fault with God. So I turned around and I said, you know, God's smarter than we are. And he steps back and lets us make our own mess. And we're reaping not only our own mess, we're reaping the mess of our parents and our grandparents and our great-grandparents all the way back to Adam and Eve. So when you see bad disasters going on, blame them instead of God. Enemies of God. You ever find yourself saying, God, if you don't fix this, I'm quitting. You ever talk like that? Make yourself an enemy of God? That's what goes on inside of our head. Oh, I'd never admit it. I hope you don't. At least to yourself you need to, though. Hey, if you don't like what goes on inside your head, then this message is for you. Let's bow in prayer. Father, please help us. Just to take some time and ponder this great tool we hold in our lap. All the different sides of it and how it can fix this head of ours. We put too much emphasis on what we think about, about our flesh, about how we look. Too much emphasis on thinking about how we feel. And we don't renew the spirit of our mind. Help us, Lord, this morning. Not only grasp it, but to live it. If there's somebody in this room who'd finally admit, you know what? I don't have a new mind. All I got is just a, a, a sinful life that's messed up, broken. I don't even know how to pray. Lord, would you convince them? They don't have to know how to pray.
because you already know how to hear. And you're looking for somebody who just, as best as they know how, cry out from the heart for you to fix them and save them and make them like your son. Start this great journey that begins at salvation. Please help somebody know they can be born again today. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so back to back to Romans chapter 12. Look at these two words that are key to our understanding here. First Corinthians, I said Corinthians, Romans, Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. You know, somebody says, I can't stop my outbursts. I really, listen, is this you? I really get irritated at the way people treat me. Come on, nod your head, gentlemen. Every day I pray to God, but every day people still make me angry. (laughs) Anybody like that? Don't look at your husband. (laughs) Because we're all guilty. Someone else says, I can still hear my father saying, you'll never amount to anything. I still hear, I still hear him saying, you're good for nothing. So decades later, that damage hangs on. Another one says, at night, I can't shut my brain down. It wears me out every day. I'm so tired of fighting in my head. There are two ways of looking at our life, all right? Conformed or transformed. Now, when we talk about conformed, here back in Romans chapter 12, verse 2, we use that verse, that word, it says, and be not conformed. It is a verb. It's an action word. Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed. Now, just stopping there, conformed means shaped by outside pressure. I think young men and young ladies growing up today have the hardest time resisting the pressures of the culture around them. I mean, even in church. You want to stand out. Some 20-year-old doesn't need to look like the world. You need to look like Christ. Amen. If you're following along with the pressures of your friend, you're being conformed. Paul said, don't be conformed to this world. Don't be conformed by the world. Don't let anything pressure you from the outside to conform to their image. Shaped by outside pressure like you do with plasticine clay. The culture we currently live in presses upon us to conform, to go along with, to take the shape of the current fads and opinions. We take on the characteristics of whatever is around us. Didn't you notice it when Princess Diana got married there to Prince Charles, Prince Charming when he wasn't, and and all of that stuff? Did you notice how many women all wore the same hair? Did you notice that? I mean, oh, I want to have that hairstyle. That's conforming. Taking on the characteristics of what you see someone else wear. That's where envy comes in and where, where all of the, uh, uh, all of the fighting and, and wars among us because somebody else has something that we want. So people wear the same kind of clothes. I remember when I was, oh, I must have been about 11 years old. I was a stinker. I was 11 years old and I uh, shut up. And uh, you do not have to make that point. Maybe 11 years old and um, uh, started to grow my hair. Yeah, boy. And my dad would look at me, do you need a haircut? And I go, not get my haircut. And he looked at me, why don't you want your haircut? I said, because I want to be different. <laughs> so my dad would look at me and he says, 
What are you wearing bell bottoms for? How many remember bell bottom jeans and 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 the corduroy? Oh, I hate corduroy pants now. Corduroy pants and the psychedelic runners and and big belts. Hey Amen. You're walking around, look like the 1960s. It was the 1960s anyway. So I'm walking around. My dad said, "Why are you looking like that?" I says, "Because I want to look different." What's funny is, as soon as I left home and I hung with my friends, we all looked the same. <laughs> I was trying to conform. I was trying to conform. I was terrified of stepping out from there. I didn't mind arguing with my parents. Didn't mind uh, being weird to to normal people, but I couldn't be out of step with my friends. So we end up talking the way everybody else talks. Hey, you ever going to go over to Wales and everybody talks weird over there? Go to Scotland, they all talk weird. That's not a speech impediment. They learn that, folks. They learn to talk with that accent. Somebody says an accident. Talk to uh, talk to Eric, amen. But you you grow up in that thing. It conforms you to talk like them. You spend some time down in Texas, and I'll teach you to talk right. <laughs> yeah. So. God calls all Christians, young and old, to constantly be not conformed, but transformed. Respond to pressure that God puts in you. That's how you know you're saved. There's a, there's a pressure inside of you that says, don't. Yes. No. <laughs> and it's a pressure inside. This little girl is blowing up a balloon, and the balloon, if it, if she didn't blow it up, it would take on the pressure from outside, which means it would be squished, it would be empty, like most brains. But as soon as she puts that pressure inside there, it takes on its own shape, amen? It becomes peculiar, it steps out of the norm. Now what, here's the scary thing, you ready? What you think is who you are and what you're going to do. That is a scary truth. Do you know, you first, you and I, we live in first in our heads. Adultery occurs first in the heart and in the mind before it ever happens in a bed. Amen. Murder occurs first in the head and the heart before it makes its way to the hands. Same with thievery. Same with every argument. You prepared. When he says, I'm going to let him have, you've already had the argument in your head, haven't you? Amen. Come on, ladies. Every argument, every fight, every debate, times of bragging and mocking, all went on where you're sitting there going, I am so awesome. <laughs> and then it comes out, don't you think I'm cool? You know, it's already going on here. You are living first your life in your head before it ever comes out. That's why God warns us that if we don't keep it clean upstairs, let's go to Jeremiah 6. Jeremiah chapter 6, and verse 19. Jeremiah six nineteen. Hear, O earth. Jeremiah 6. It's a good sound, isn't it? Hallelujah. I'm glad I don't hear the sound of keyboards. Chapter 6, verse 19. Hear, O earth, behold, I will bring evil upon this people, speaking of his his own people, even the fruit of their what? I'm going to give them what they're thinking about because they have not hearkened unto my words nor to my law, but they instead, what do they do? 
So you better beware that you're going to get what you're thinking about. And you'll get the results of it. If we don't keep what's up here clean, we will regretfully act out what we've spent too much time thinking about, and we will reap destruction. You'll ruin your life. What you think about and what you stew about, let me use that word. You know what stewing does, don't you? It cooks, and, and I'm telling you just, you, you know, the more you stew something, the more you love it. Try to eat something raw. But after you cook it, it gets, to, oh man. So, if you don't keep this thing up there called your mind clean and right, you're going to regretfully, and you will regret it, you'll regretfully act out what you've spent too much time thinking about, and you will reap God's judgment. <clears throat> the Bible says that Christians need to renew their minds or else they're going to self-destruct. Go to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. What are we talking about? Renewing the mind. You got to. Uh, let's use an example, okay? You're driving along, and you never think about changing the oil on the car. And you just keep driving, and you just keep driving. What's going to happen to that engine? It will seize up, and it will need to be replaced. And if you don't renew your mind, you just keep going on the way you are. You will burn out, you'll you'll break apart, you'll self-destruct. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 17. This I say, therefore, and I testify in the Lord, that ye henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk. It's talking about the way we live. In the vanity of their what? All right, you don't go by just the vanity of what you think. Having the understanding darkened. I think it'd be awful for some Christian to walk around in darkness. I don't understand that. Don't understand that at all. And yet here he is warning, saying, don't live where you have the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God, that he gave you through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart. Don't don't walk and live like people who are blind in their heart. Verse 19, who being past feeling, way past feeling, have given themselves over unto lasciviousness to work all uncleanness with greediness. But ye have not so learned Christ. If so be that ye have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus that she put off concerning the former conversation, that old man. To put off means to put some distance between you and him, (laughs) to ignore him, because he's corrupt according to the deceitful lust, and be renewed where? All right, remember there are three circles. One's your physical, what's the other one? That's your emotional, that's your soul. And the other one's your? The spirit, the spirit of your mind. Which one, I'm going to get to this point, which one should I be focusing on that needs to be fixed the most? The spirit of your mind. You say, I'm losing my memory. I'm, I'm, I can't remember things. Oh, I don't, uh, I can't, I can't do sums anymore. And I, I, I just, I just don't know how to handle pressure anymore. Those are important things to work on. But the first thing to work on is on the spiritual side of your life, folks. Because if you don't, he says there, um, uh, verse 23, be renewed in the spirit of your mind that you put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Why? Because down there, verse 27, if you don't work on it, guess where you're, where you're leaving the door open for the devil. Verse 27 says, give no place unto the... All right. If I don't shore up my spiritual walk, my spiritual mind, the devil walks in there and takes over. Renewing the mind is the key to changing for the better. 
What do I mean by that? Well, he, Paul used the word transform. That's that word metamorphosis. Change from a young, ugly caterpillar. All right, you find that in your kitchen, amen? <laughs> that caterpillar goes through a time called metamorphosis. And how does it come out? A beautiful new creation. Now, sometimes we talk about salvation like that, and that's a, that's a good thing to do because if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Amen. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. That's exactly true. But when Paul uses the word transformed, he's talking to Christians. He says, God's not finished with you yet. Your salvation is finished, but your change isn't. So if I want to be transformed from an ugly caterpillar, don't say anything, to something that's beautiful in God's plan, and he can make all things beautiful. Amen. If I want to finish that process, I've got to move to this process of renewing my mind. Um, transformed is a dramatic change, not just growth. Did you know a caterpillar can grow? <laughs> it can grow, but it doesn't change, does it? So we're not talking about just growth. We're talking about dramatic change. So salvation is God forgiving you once and for all in an instant. But transformation is God changing you to be like his son, and sometimes that takes a lifetime. My life verse is being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it, keep doing it, until the day of Jesus Christ. So sometimes it takes a lifetime. But I want to say this. Transformation can be sped up if you just renew, if you can renew your mind. Now, renew your mind, let me use some examples. We're talking about... Uh, uh, visas here and immigration. Immigrants talk about renewing their visa. You hear that word renewing in there? That means they've been given a lot, an allotted time and they fill up their time and get to go some longer, right? That's to renew, to refill their time allowed in the country. Eye doctors work hard to renew someone's vision after they've gone blind back to where they could see again. Personal trainers talk about we're going to renew your strength. We're gonna, we're gonna put some muscle back in you. So what's Paul talking about? He's talking about refilling what has been used up. And believe me, if the world does anything to you, it uses up all the good that God put in you. I look, you see a little girl and she's six or seven years old and she's having fun. She's in this beautiful little dress and she's twirling and she's a princess. By the time she's 18, she's covered head to toe in tattoos. She's got piercings. She's been abused and, and played with by every boy in school. And I wonder, I says, that is a wasted life, amen? But everything goes on the outside. You got to understand what's going on, on the inside. Been burned out. You know what? That little girl can have, if she, if she gets saved, she can constantly get her mind renewed where it gets filled up, where it's been, been burned out, been used up. You can get your heart and your mind back, amen? You heard about the, uh, back in the 80s, they had back, backward masking on the records, you know? And you could, if you listen to some of those records, like Highway to Hell, it was so, it, it said, Satan, my sweet Satan, if you played that dumb record backwards. Who listens to records backwards? But anyway, and somebody said, well, what, ha- what do you get if you could take a country and western song and play it backwards? You know, country and western song all about, you know, it's about losing your wife and losing your, your family, losing your car. Well, you play it backwards, you get your wife back, you get your car back, you get your car. <laughs> you know, you play, you, you play it right with this book, and you live according to this book, and you get everything back and more. 
refilling what has been used up. Secondly, it means repairing what's been broken in your mind. And there are plenty of broken brains, broken minds, broken hearts. Think about it. Think about it, man. All the hurts and the abuses you've gone through. You can sit and blame everybody. You can sit and meditate on all of it and sit there and stew on it. Wouldn't you like it, wouldn't you like it just to be fixed? Wouldn't you like it to be repaired? It means restoring your mind to how it was when it was made new at salvation. You see, I remember what it was like when I got saved. There, there was just, you say, I don't think I got saved the same way as you did. Well, you didn't have, you don't have to get saved and, and feel all the things that I felt. But let me tell you this. Something had to happen that just blew you away. You felt clean. You felt forgiven. You felt like God's given you a whole new life. You looked at this Bible and it says, I love it. <laughs> I get to, on on uh, on the radio now, I get to play hymns for an hour. And uh, on 93.1. Rest of the time, you can, ugh. But for that hour on Friday nights. But you know, before I got saved, we used to, uh, Paul would tell you, uh, my day, you'd be traveling on the road and you'd go, uh, and you'd tune that dial. Curse today is you just push a button and you go from the preset channels. But I'm, I'm driving along and I'm tuning the dial and I'd hear somebody singing one of those Christian hymns. Oh, it sounded like fingernails on the blackboard. And I went, uh, I keep changing the channel. You know, after I got saved, I go back and I says, find those channels. And it was like heaven was singing. Something changed in me, folks. I hope it changed in you. And you know, I get down the road. I'm here. I'm saved 37 years. You would be a tragedy is if I didn't love the hymns. If I had to have every new song. If I had to have the new drum beat or the new syncopated beat. If I had to have some new psychedelic uh, 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 disco type song in order to get that buzz. Listen, let me tell you. I need my mind renewed so I go back to what was sweet and wonderful the day I got saved. Amen. That's renewing. Restoring your mind like it was. You say, I don't know if God could restore my brain. You're telling me God can't? Isn't that the wrong thing to say? And it means to make again. And God may have to start all over with you. Let him do it. If you're going to renew your mind, you may have to go back and say, you know what? I've been reading all this stuff on the internet. I've been watching all this stuff on the YouTubes. I need to shut it down and pick up my Bible. I need to start completely over. Amen. Because you go, why am I so agitated? Why am I so upset with every Christian? Why is everything a conspiracy? Because of YouTube. Amen. Say, Lord, renew my mind. When I go back, like it was, where I just love this book, and I just love God's people, and I just love serving. Amen. Now, we're going to finish with this, but i got to say it. Let me show you somebody who got in the right mind. Mark chapter 5. Mark chapter 5. And I hope you get a hunt, get a hankering. Can I use that word? You know what a hankering is? A hankering? <laughs> Where you get hungry for a right mind. Mark chapter 5. Some of you already are hankering. Mark chapter 5, verse 1. I'm just going to read these 15 verses, make some comments, and then we're going to finish. I told you this is a two-part message. Stay with me and let it just really speak to your heart. Mark chapter 5, verse 1. And they came over unto the other side of the sea, into the country of the Gadarenes. And when he was come out of the ship, Jesus had come out of the ship, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit. 
who had his dwelling among the tombs, and no man could bind him, no, not with chains. Wow. Because that he had been often bound with fetters and chains, and the chains had been plucked asunder by him. I don't know about you. I've never been able to break a chain, but this guy's able to break chains. And the fetters were broken in pieces. Neither could any man tame him. And always, night and day, he was in the mountains and the tombs. What was he doing? Crying and cutting himself with stones. But, I love the butts in the Bible. But when he saw Jesus afar off, he ran and he worshipped him. And he cried with a loud voice and said, What have I to do with thee, Jesus, thou son of the most high God? I adjure thee by God that thou torment me not. You believe he's in torment? You better believe it. You know what he's afraid of? That Jesus is going to make it worse. Verse 8, For he said unto him, Come out of the man, thou unclean spirit. And he asked him, What is thy name? And he answered, saying, My name is Legion. For we are many. And he besought him much that he would not send them out of the country. Now there were nigh into the mountains a great herd of swine feeding, and all the devils inside of him besought him, saying, Send us unto the swine, that we may enter into them. And forthwith Jesus gave them leave. And the unclean spirits went out and entered into the swine, and the herd ran violently down a steep place into the sea. There were about how many? Two thousand pigs. So I don't know how many were in him, but at least two thousand demonic voices were battling inside his head. Are you with me? When they're cast out, they mess up with the brains of these pigs and cause them to jump off a cliff. What do you think this man was battling every day of his life? A desire to die. And were choked in the sea. Verse 14. And they that fed the swine, <laughs> they watched all this happen and they fled and they told into the city and in the country and they went out to see what it was that was done and they come to Jesus. And they, they, they saw Jesus, but that wasn't the one they were looking for. They say him that was in the past possessed with the devil and had the legion in the past. There he was sitting. Now he's clothed and in his right mind. I like that. And they were afraid. <laughs> you know, a good church service is where people come and the God moves in and the fear of God takes over. And we're not all happy, but we're like, Here's this man, demon-possessed. He hated himself. He lost all shame about his life. He was totally naked running around. He didn't want a home. He loved being around dead things. He had some incredible strength against being restrained or controlled. He stayed away from people. He was constantly crying, constantly cutting himself. And you know, when somebody cuts himself, they're trying to feel something. They're trying to take their... They're trying to take their attention off of the inner pain and just make an outer pain. That's what they're doing. He's filled with about 2,000 demons that drove him absolutely crazy and is Jesus. And I already got, you gotta get this. I love how our Lord goes looking for people like that. This man couldn't have found Jesus with a laser beam. Jesus got off that boat and that man couldn't believe it and ran to him. You're here! <laughs> Hallelujah. Jesus purposely approached that broken man. And you know what that broken man did? He let him fix him. There's nothing he could do. Absolutely nothing. Go to 2 Timothy. And we're through. 2 Timothy, chapter 1. Jesus defeated the devils. He not only did that, 
He overcame all of his past and all his pain, 2 Timothy chapter 1, and he gave him a right mind. 2 Timothy chapter 1. 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 7. For God had not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love. Aren't you glad for the last one too? And of a sound mind. God's got a sound mind for absolutely everyone in the audience. Amen? Forget about the late, late show. You need to get on this thing. He gives sound minds. Look at the power of the gift of a right mind. It took that man and, 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 and changed him and transformed him. And it, look, what was it that fixed him? A right mind. Now, Jesus had to get through a lot of clutter to get there to be able to fix that thinking of his. But once he got under control, he sat down there and he put on something and he sat there. And he looked up at the Lord and he said, I think I'll just stay here for a year or two, amen? <laughs> Had his life back. That ought to be the goal of every person on this planet. If only they knew there was a way to get their life back. If only they knew, that they, the only way they knew that they could get their mind back. You may not be able to get your kids back. You may not be able to get your wife back. You may not be able to get all of the past, all fixed on that stuff. But you can get your mind back and you can get your future back. Now, there's more next week. I hope I made you hungry, thirsty. Our study's been about renewing the minds. And it is the key to a transformed life. Do you realize there are people in this room who could be the same as they've always been? Yeah, I got saved, but I just, I just don't read my Bible. I have to ask you, are you really saved? Maybe you are. Unless you use God's Word to change your mind about yourself and your sin, you will stay the same. And I don't think your kids want you to do that. <laughs> I don't think your husband or your wife wants that. The key to a transformed life is a renewing of your mind. I showed you someone getting right a right mind in the Gospel of Mark there. I mean, it's breathtaking, isn't it? I know people who hate themselves. I know people who are just, they just, they just hate life. What's the problem? Wrong thinking. I know someone, they were, they loved God, they were saved, they were in church, and then something happened, and now they're cutting themselves, now they're quitting on God, now they're angry at God, now they hate people. Yeah, I know, I know. Something hurt them. They need to renew their, the spirit of their mind. Next week you're going to learn a little bit, a lot, on how to do it. What kind of shape is your mind in? If you don't like what goes on inside your head, this, this is for you, okay? Because I don't like what goes on inside of my head. Stuff sometimes keeps you up at night. Stuff sometimes haunts you. I mean, we come to the dark time of October, November, and what happens, man? Just stuff comes into the head. Everybody's all making fun of demons and witches and spirits and stuff like that. You need to renew the spirit of your mind. The way you do it is by, and if you want to be transformed, completely changed, by the renewing of your mind. But it starts with being born again. I can't, you cannot change your old mind. Can't change it. Your old mind's going to think the way it always has thought. It is always, always going to uh, uh, battle you. You need another mind in there, the mind of Christ. And he's willing to come in and put up a better fight. Would you stand with me and bow your head?
Next Sunday, I'm going to show you how to renew your mind. But you better make sure you've got a new mind to work with. Are you born again? We had two people join the church this morning, and that was good, wasn't it? That was a blessing. But they're no closer to heaven than you are. That didn't fix their spiritual stand with God. The thing that will fix you is Jesus Christ. If you'll let Him move into that place. Remember that three, those three circles? In the middle of that is your heart. That's where the Lord is supposed to be. So you can be the Lord of your body, the Lord of your emotions, and the Lord of your spirit. Father, we bow right now and we ask that if in this room there's somebody who's just put up an awful long fight against you and always, always resisted against the Holy Spirit's convictions and to this very moment to say, no, no, I, I, I don't want to believe all this. I don't want to be born again. I don't want to think that I'm that bad. God, I can't convince them. You're going to have to convince them that they must be born again. It's not a Baptist thing. It's a Jesus thing. You said it. You commanded it. You must be born again. And in this room, what if somebody were to go out of here and die and go straight to hell after hearing, preaching, been given another chance? Don't let it happen, Father. Somebody's heart just beat and beat and beat out of its chest until they say, okay, Lord, I, I, I quit. I'm not going to kick against your pricks anymore. I'm not going to fight you. I'm not going to argue. I don't understand it all, but I know I need you. I need you. And I surrender to you. I ask you to please come into my heart and save me. Come into the very center of my life. Start all over with me. I prayed that simple prayer 37 years ago. You can pray whatever you want, but you must believe the gospel that Jesus died for you and was buried and rose again all for you. If you're the only one on this planet, he would have done it just for you. Fathers, we pray right now. I also pray for the Christian who struggles with everything that goes on inside of our head. I pray that we so desperately want to take back control instead of letting it just run amok. Instead of letting our, our flesh or our emotions tell us how to feel we want and, how, and what to do, we want to live by the spirit of our mind where the Holy Spirit dwells. Lord, I pray that we're hungry for renewing our mind. In Jesus' name, amen.